Won't you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this, another day, another opportunity to call upon your name. Thank you, O oh God, for this time that we get to spend in your word. I pray uh, that these next few moments that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that he would lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray, O oh God, that you might allow uh, your anointing to fall fresh on me, that I might be a spokesman uh, for what your word wants to say, and that I might communicate it with grace and power. Anoint every ear to hear and every spirit to receive that which you want to download into us on today to the end that some soul would be saved, somebody would get right with you, somebody would would uh, come to the point where they recognize they can't do it the way that they've been doing it, but they need you to take over. And so, Lord, have your way in these next few moments. Glorify yourself. Let your word come forth with power, and we'll make sure you get all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, um, I, I want to talk today about this idea of what powers repentance. Um, one of the things that has been uh, very evident to me um, in 2020 and the things that we've seen happening uh, around the world in our country here in America, specifically right here in our corner, our neck of the woods in Miami, is that I, I've kind of noticed that God has allowed the things that have happened to kind of pull back the covers to reveal what's really going on in the hearts and lives and minds, especially of those of us who call Him Savior, those of us who claim the name of Christ on our lives. Um, God has been allowing um, our, our, our games and the things that we think that we've been doing to cover and get away with certain things. God has pulled all of that back and he's revealing it. And uh, I don't know about you, but the, the stuff that he's revealed in me, I, I don't like the way it looks. Uh, and so I, I believe that uh, that the Bible is true. In 1 Peter 4 and 17, it, it's very indicative of the fact that judgment, whenever God judges, he starts with the house of God. So people have asked me, well, is coronavirus, is the epidemic, is what's been going on? Is this God judging us? The well, short answer is yes. Uh, and how do I know that is because he's come directly for the people of God first. Uh, and so I want to look at a, a passage of scripture that we deal with how should we, those of us who call ourselves believers, how should we deal with it when God confronts us with our own sin and what powers really repentance? Um, I know there's some who are waiting for a second term of a certain president in order for there to be a revival, but revival can start with us. And let's look at what powers that repentance that then leads to a revival. So join me in Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, um, verse 10. Looking at verses 10 through 14. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's dealing specifically with John the Presbyterian's ministry. No, he was John the Baptist. John the Baptizer's ministry as, as John was baptizing in the River Jordan. Uh, we pick up the story that as he's preaching this repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look what happens in verse 10. The crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came, verse 12 says, to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Uh, now notice this, as we talk about what powers repentance, notice that this whole context is a context of those who 
already have a relationship with God being called to this time of repentance because of impending judgment. Uh, that, that John was very clear. He, he would even say in verse 9 that God has laid the axe at the root of their tree. Uh, in Old Testament times, Israel was figured as a tree. And, and John is saying God is ready to cut this thing down. He doesn't like what he sees. And in the midst of this, this call to, to recognize the sinfulness and the sin that was loose and rampant, uh, it, it, it made people get a little concerned and made them get a little worried about what should we do was the question that they asked. And, and John is quick to point out, point out that, that if there really is a true willingness to turn from sin, it's going to require of us making some commitments, even to the point that that's why they were coming to John to be baptized. Now, this is not a baptism in terms of an outward sign of salvation. Remember, these are Jewish people in these contexts. They, they already have a redemptive covenant with God that went back to the Red Sea. But this was where they would step up to the point where they would repent of their sins, and baptism was then an outward sign of one's willingness to truly turn and to repent. To God, so this this wasn't this baptism wasn't about their salvation. It was more about their repentance, and so John is calling them out to avoid being judged by God by showing fruits of repentance. One translation says, or in verse eight uh, in the New Living, it says, "Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins." John says, "If if you're gonna if you're real about this thing, then you've got to prove it." Now that idea of proving it is what is at the basis of everything that John the Baptizer is talking about because he answers the questions of what shall we do or how do how do we handle it what 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 should what steps should we take that indicates that and and the way that he focuses in on answering that question indicates that what God wants from us is an unselfish approach to life if our repentance is real we prove it by the way that we approach life unselfishly here's what he's after true repentance is seen in transformed selfishness. Uh, now, I, I know that you, know, you may be like me, that we were taught uh, by our culture that it, life is all about getting all that you can, canning all that you get so that you can sit on your can. We, we have been taught that you have to look out for number one. We've, we've, we've learned that people don't care about you, so you got to take care of yourself. But if I'm truly going to repent and turn to God, if Jesus really is my answer, if my trust is completely in Him, then my true repentance has to be seen in, in the fact that I, I stop focusing on myself. I stop living selfishly and I let God transform my selfish inward look into looking outward. So notice what John says. First, he deals with the crowds, the crowds. The crowds come to him in verse 10. Now, this is generally uh, regular people, probably poorer people. Uh, and he says to them, if you have a shirt, if you have two shirts, uh, then you need to give one away. Now, the shirt was a, 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 a garment that was worn close to the skin. It was kind of like an undershirt. Most people uh, usually had at least two that you wore, especially if it was colder. But if you had more, then, you know, you obviously had more than you needed. So John was saying, if you're living okay enough that you'd have enough that you need to get by, then quit looking out just for yourself. And if you have something to spare, then you need to be thinking about how can I use what I have 
as an ad- that is a that is an advantage to me how can i use it to bless somebody who doesn't have the same advantages as me john was pushing them towards the idea this jewish idea uh uh, in, in their in their law and in their teaching of the law that there were the works of the law which were the strict things that I had to obey in order to be right with God but then there was this other teaching that came out of that uh, out of the Jewish law that wasn't just about the works of law but works of love that is going the next step going the next level those things that were beyond just strict obedience to God what can I do that God has blessed me with, that God has given me as an advantage, that I can use it to be a blessing to somebody else. He's speaking specifically of the elements of compassion, of generosity, of selfless living. Listen, there's a lot of folks out there claiming that they are Christian, but if they're really right with God, there would be an unselfishness, there would be a push, there would be a demand even to use their advantages for the advantage of the disadvantage. I know I said that fast, but that, that's that's basically what that means. If, if I'm only looking out for me, if I'm only looking out for what I am privileged enough to have, then I haven't truly repented. I don't really have an open, growing, uh, vibrant relationship with God. So he says to the people who, who are, are just regular folks, he said, if you've got enough to get by, go look for somebody else to be a blessing to. If you got enough food, find somebody that you can share your food with. It's not so much the specifics of just going to feed people, but having an eye to look out for somebody other than ourselves. True repentance, it's, it's, it's always seen in transformed selfishness. But now also notice he takes it a step further with the next group because he says he's going to say that true repentance looks like a transformed understanding of power dynamics. Look what he says. He first he first deals with the tax collectors. These tax collectors. Now now this is this is like um, somebody who who uh, is doing well in life only because they've sold out their own people. Uh, these, these were tax collectors were these Jewish people who had purchased the right to serve as agents for the oppressive Roman government by serving as their agents and oppressing the people by being the tax collectors. Now the problem was they didn't just collect the taxes, but they would add a little more to what the going rate was because you know they had to, it was their processes, it was their fees, it was their equipment that they had to pay for. So if the Roman tax was ten dollars, by the time you got to a tax collector, the tax was fifteen dollars, and the tax collectors were were living large. They were oppressing the people. They made their money by extorting those who had to pay their taxes to Rome. And he says to them, you got to stop this. He calls for them to live honestly. He, He calls for them, watch this, to make a living, yes, but don't participate in the oppression of your own people through that living that you have. It's the, it's literally the idea of not using one's position or privilege to disadvantage other people. There's nothing worse than having to deal with a gatekeeper. I wish I had at least two or three witnesses right down there. Uh, let me see if I can help you understand this a little bit better. Uh, when I went to college, when I went to undergrad, 
I went to an HBCU, a historically black college, uh, back before the internet was really a thing, but we did have online registration. What that meant was that you had to get in a line that was about four or 500 feet or 500 yards long just to get to the booth to try to register. Now, if anything happened, uh, you, you would see the line coming out of the gym up a half a block down the street and then down the main street of the campus down by the student center we you would literally get online to try to register and the ladies that were uh, manning those registration booths uh, they if they were having a bad day they were going to transfer their bad day to you uh, and that many times what would happen was you would wait through all of that you would finally get to the front of the line only to discover that you didn't have a signature you had a fee that you had to pay and so you had to get out of a line walk all the way to the other side of campus handle that then all the way back and get back in line because they wouldn't let you cut to get back to the booth uh, they were the gatekeepers they they could make online registration very frustrating they they were the people who who could they could transfer their insecurities into you by frustrating you and John literally says, if you are a gatekeeper, if there's something that you're doing in making your living, do everything that you can to at least be a decent human being. Don't transfer, don't, don't use your position of power or privilege to try to make somebody else depressed or oppressed by what you do. He says, if, if, I'm, really, if I'm really repentant, watch this, I'm going to treat people better in the power dynamics that exist in the things that I do to make a living. Mm. Not only that, but he deals with the soldiers. Now, these soldiers were probably Jewish men who had been hired uh, by the Jewish government to handle constabulary tasks uh, or what we would know as, as police officers. Uh, we, I know we have several police officers, so don't turn me off yet, but, but notice this. They, they were police officers, but they, they were paid so much, but then they could sometimes use their, their privilege or their position or their power over people in, by extorting them or by lying on them. If, if they were charged with one thing, they could add other stuff on and the police officer would be believed over the person who was charged or accused. And, and John says to them, literally, listen, you got to act honorably. You got to be just. You, you got to be content with your wages. Don't try to take it out on people. Don't, don't use your power to oppress people. In other words, work to alleviate oppression and don't add to the oppression. But he says, if, if you're truly repentant, you can take this step of baptism, but then that baptism, that step has to transfer into actionable things that you do on a regular basis in your life, in your job, by taking the focus off of you and looking for how can I use my advantage to the advantage of somebody else who is disadvantaged. So that begs the question, if, 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 if I'm going to be right with God, if God is, if, if God is looking for uh, to judge this nation and he starts with the people of God and God is going to judge me, then I have to repent. I have to get right with him. But that repentance that he's looking for has to be proven by what I do, by how I people, treat people, by how I take my eyes off of me and what I want and what's good for me and look at how do I use however God has privileged me or advantaged me or blessed me to be a blessing to somebody else. 
you can know whether somebody truly has repented and gotten right with God because it'll depend on are they still operating in selfishness and self-centeredness and self-protectiveness or can I see it being trans their selfishness being transformed into uh, interrupting and disrupting the power dynamics in our relationship because if we if we're gonna get right with the Lord we must become those living sacrifices that Romans 12 1 talks about we have to take all of us our selfishness there was an old worship song that said let's forget about ourselves and concentrate on him in order to worship him we've got to prove it by our behavior that we want to be right with God and there's somebody right here right now that there's you you feel the spirit tugging on you and you know it's time to repent the the first step of repentance is I got to change my mind about what I'm doing so that it it pricks my heart to the point that I do things differently and then once you repent you've got to follow through and do the things differently you got to take the eyes off of you and look at how can I use my blessings my advantages to minister to somebody else and God is speaking to you and God is calling you to repentance so right where you are bow your head close your eyes and do some personal business with the Lord Jesus repent of being self-centered repent of selfishness repent of playing the power game in your relationships and ask him fix my heart fix my eyes the way that I see these things help me follow through to change my behavior father we come to you as those few did came to John at the Jordan River banks we see the judgment coming we want to get right with you but Lord we recognize that true repentance has to be proven in our behavior it has to be seen as you transform our selfishness into the kind of perspective the kind of behavior that uses our advantages to be a blessing to somebody else so father right now fix our hearts fix our minds forgive us of our sin but then Lord put us back into play give us another chance to operate unselfishly and to see how can I be a blessing to somebody else Lord we want our repentance to be seen and proven so if you'll keep working on us we'll keep working at it until it transforms how we treat other people because you are in our lives Lord we love you we bless you and we thank you in Jesus name Amen.